Okay. Here we are. Can everyone hear me? Hello? Yes. yes. Hello? Okay. Yes, I can hear you. Mm-hmm. Great. Hello, where okay. are we, please? Excuse me? Uh, where are we? I'm going to... Uh, Bring us up all up to date right now, Reverend Bill. I just started the recording. Okay. All right. Here we are, of Course of Love. We are in the uh, first treatise, the, uh, the Art of Thought. We have concluded the first three chapters. We'll be going into Chapter 4 this evening, The Center of the Universe. Um, what we have done in the past, everyone will get to read one paragraph each. We'll read it through. And even though there's five of us, if we feel after the fifth paragraph that the flow should go to another paragraph, it's fine. We'll do that. And what we have decided for this particular evening is that even though we're reading certain information from the Course of Love, a message, if anything beyond the message speaks to you, this is a time for dialoguing. This is not lessons. This is not uh, a curriculum. This is for sharing, and dialogue is sharing. So if something speaks to your heart during the reading, be free to bring it forth. We're all here. So, uh, so again, we have Judy, Miguel, Reverend Bill, Gloria, and Lana. I'll leave the tones on for a little while to see if anybody else will join us. And we'll get started. I just want to give us just a little centering prayer. Just kind of, like I say, center us. So, you know, take a few deep breaths. Bring love into your heart. Feel the love in your heart. Hold on to that love and hear these words. Mighty currents of God's healing love flow through me now renewing and restoring every fiber of our being. We are whole, well, and free. The simple words, mighty currents of God's healing love flow through us now. We are whole, well, and free. Okay, so with that said, we'll get started with Judy. Uh, reading 4.1 in the center of chapter 4, the center of the universe. Okay. Did I miss anything? You know the protocol as far as, you know, muting your phone, speaking, not stepping on anyone's toes, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I'm done. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll try not to giggle through it. By asking you to request a miracle, I am honoring who you are and inviting <clears throat> pardon me, and inviting you <clears throat> into the state of mind that is miracle readiness. <clears throat> you know, Judy, hold that on. Okay. I'm just gonna back up to the very last uh, sentence from the previous chapter, which was a call to the miracle. And now what he said to us at that time last week what we have done here is bring your fears to light fears that you had not realized you held so closely or would be so terrified to let go now we can address 
each of these spheres, bringing them the art of thought through them, through, no, through, through rather, let me read that again. Now we can address each of these spheres, bringing to them the art of thought rather than the thinking of the ego mind. So go ahead, start on the top again. I'm sorry. That's okay. By asking you to request a miracle, I am honoring who you are and inviting you into the state of mind that is miracle readiness. The art of thought is the expression of that state. The art of thought is the miracle. Next. Yeah. Uh, thus we must dispel along with the illusion of fear, the illusion of specificity. You have not been asked to request a specific miracle. Although your thoughts have naturally gone to consideration of the specific, this is but an indication that you are still in the habit of thinking you learned, uh, habit of thinking you learned under the instruction of the ego mind. These creatures must change that habit in order for all your thoughts to become the miracles that express the truth of who you are. These treaties will put your instructions fully under my guidance and allow you to disregard the instructions of the ego mind. <clears throat> A course of love began with an injunction to pray. A Course of Miracles began with the definition of miracles. Both are the same. Prayer and the art of thought are the same. This should serve to make it clear that the request I have made of you once, excuse me, that the request I have made of you is once again far more broad and generalizable than your old habit of thought has led you to see. Miracles are, in other words, a way of thinking, the new way that we are going to learn to look together. They are the state of giving and receiving as one. They are the state in which blessings flow. They are your natural state. Gloria? Yeah, how can the rules of thought we have identified serve you, serve to bring about the miracle that you are? The first mean identified was the, was that experiencing what is and acknowledging what is bought as a fact of your existence as a human being and as a gift of the creator. <clears throat> now, that we have more properly identify the miracle, you must see that your true self is what is in need of identification and acknowledgement. <clears throat> this identification and acknowledgement was the stated goal of a course of love. It does not negate your existence as a human being, nor does deny your existence as a being a gift of the Creator. Recall the sunset. Are you any less the glory of God <clears throat> than the sun? 
This is a call to be aware of your true self as you are capable of being aware of the sunset. Pass. Okay. When the sun has remained but an object to you, no effect is possible from the sunset. I need to read that again. When the sun has remained but an object to you, no effect is possible from the sunset. The sun, even during, during the most blazing sunset, has at times remained no more than object to you. So too has yourself, your true self. When your true self is seen as no more than a body, it is seen as little more than an object. I'm sorry, I need to read that last sentence again. (laughs) When your true self is seen as no more than a body, it is seen as little more than an object. Thank you, Lana. I'd like to welcome whoever joined us, if they'd like to join the reading list or at least announce that they're who's here. Yes, good day. Charles is here. Um, I'm not sure where you are in the reading list. We're in the the first treatise on the art of thought, and we just started reading Chapter 4, The Center of the Universe. First treatise, Chapter 4. Okay, I'll find that in my... Yeah, are you in a book? I'm in an electronic version. Oh, okay. Then I can't help you. Yeah. No, I'll find it. (laughs) Okay. So we've read the first five paragraphs. Um, I think we should read six and seven. I think it'll be first best treatise. Reading. Yeah. First In treatise, first chapter treatise, four. Yeah, the center of the universe. Right. Okay. Six and seven. Like, yeah, read six and seven, please. All right. The second rule of the art of thought is to acknowledge. Relationship. The call for a relationship, the nature of all gifts, as being given to all. This is thus a call to realize that you exist in relationship, that your relationship calls for a response, and that you are given to all as all are given to you. This is an enormous shift in your habit of thought as you become the center of the universe. Charles, that's that's paragraph six. Mine read a little differently. Was I the only one? Am I not following it? Well, I have the electric oh. the electronic version as well, and it read perfectly. <laughs> well, yeah. to me, yeah, and it did not read to you. Oh, I know what I know what you have. It's the call for a response. 
That's it. Yeah, I thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the culprit response. Yeah. Yes, yeah. part of the it's first mind. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the art of thought is the acknowledged relationship, the, the call for a response, and then the nature of all gifts as being given to all. Okay. I thought, because oh, I'm sorry. Saying, Okay. No, okay, no, you it's got fine. It. You know, because, you know, there's two additions, and sometimes I have found one reads a little bit different, just no major, but I was just curious. So, like I said, you know, this particular time is, yes, we've read, you know, from The Course of Love, and it talks about the center of the universe, and he uses some great examples, particularly the sunset. But, you know, the floor is open to dialogue. And, Charles, you've joined us before, and you know that even though there's words here, but if something spoke to your heart from these words or something else, the floor is open to share it. So, Thank you. Uh, I'm going to open the floor to whomever feels like they would like to say something or mention something they, that spoke to them from these paragraphs. I'll say something. It's me. <laughs> I, I love every time in this work where he speaks to uh, the human being, the form, how it's acknowledged. It's not to be shunned or not acknowledged. And, you know, in, in paragraph four where he said... Um, he was talking about identifying the miracle that you must see yourself is what you need as identification and acknowledgement. This identification and acknowledgement was the state of global course of love. And this is, it does not negate your existence as a human being, nor does it deny your existence as a gift of the creator. You know, I, I just, every time I, you know, it's like, yes, yes, I am a human being. And I am, you know, in this world of illusion, whatever you want to call it. But it's okay. It's okay. And that's mm-hmm. what has always made this work so nice, so easy for me to accept. And let it just envelop me and envelop all parts of me. The me, the I, the true self, the little self, the human So. I just needed to say that. I'm complete. Thanks, Paula. Thank you. Thanks, Paula. Oh, that was lovely, Paula. Uh, this is Lana, mm. and that rings true for me, Paula, too. You know, when I go into meditation and 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 I go so deeply that I I just feel my existence, you know, with nothing added. It's like... Um, I'm the one that's aware of being aware of my existence. And that beautiful little place, it does, first thing I notice is how peaceful it is. It doesn't have anything added to it. And it's no different than, I could call it my humanity, or I could call it my true self, but it's that awareness and that. 
knowing, that inner knowing that I exist as one with everything. And whether I'm jumping around in a body or flopping with the angels, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's all one to me now. It's it's all it's both human and divine. There's there's less and less of a delineation between the two. So and um I, I love that about a course of love, that it doesn't negate my humanity. Um or anything that that lives has the spirit of God within it. You know, so anyhow, I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank Amen. you. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. And mm-hmm. Lana, I'd like to say that uh, you, you've said what, what has come, for, come up for me in this recent reading that just uh, says it all, that the other day in another group, I heard the message, the Holy Spirit is but your right-mindedness. And uh, that felt so good. It felt so appropriate. Now, when I hear this message where we have the description of the art of thought as a miracle, and we also have the discussion, the the point that a miracle or an art of thought is, is a prayer to see the oneness that all of those represent. Different labels given to, in effect, the same message of the Holy Spirit, in effect, being our right mind, that all, all of these are reflecting us being in tune with or being open to and receiving and realizing that one mind that is one in God. It's coming through me for in these different ways, these different lines, and it is so sweet. Thank you. I'm complete. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank, Thank you. It's so sweet. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, my right yeah. mind is separate from me. Holy Spirit isn't separate from me. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a party of one. Mm-hmm. Amen. This is Charles Along here. Those, um, oh, sorry, Charles. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. I just want to add on to what Reverend Bell was saying. To I, I what, what I really is really coming to me right now is the nature of all gifts, and we talked about the nature of being that which is uh, the presence of that which shines forth in our discussion here, the presence that we all share here in this moment is the gift we give each other. And uh, it's the nature of that gift. It's the nature of that uh, blessings, uh, the nature of the feelings, the wonderfulness in which we receive from the the depths of the heart in the sharing. And Mm. that nature of the gift to me is the center of the universe. It's, it's a center I want to be with, I want to be in, and uh, I thank God for that true nature shining through and to enjoy it from this perspective. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Charles. Charles. Yeah, that was thank awesome. You, yeah. Thank you. I wanted to add 
there were a couple of things that really jumped at me and struck me in the reading that we just had. And the one that I really love is that, um, you know, miracles are a way of thinking and that, um, I forget how it was put, just a minute, let me get back here. Um, The art of thought is the miracle and that miracles are a way of thinking. And that has struck me as being so very true. And in addition to that, I mean, this is all like kind of one jumbled thought here, and I have to break it down into words so that I can hear what I'm saying. Um, It it talked about um, when the sun has remained an object to you um, and myself, my true self, has remained an object to me. So again, that goes to my state of thinking. That goes to whether I'm miracle-minded or not, if I continue to think that my true self is somehow not a part of me, that is some object that I can observe, I'm missing the point. And for some reason, I don't know why, but this past couple of weeks I have been so focused on this, on this particular idea about um, objectifying everything rather than seeing myself as a part of it. And the shift has come about very, very slowly in that I'm beginning to feel more and more a part of everything rather than as a separate me viewing objects outside of me or around me rather than seeing everything as one cohesive whole. And I know that I have begun to see myself as a whole. Um, Sometimes in terms of describing some stuff or whatever, I tend to say, oh, well, that's coming from my conscious or subconscious or it's coming from my true self or my ego self, yada, yada. The truth is, is that it's my whole self, okay? It's my whole self. And if I continue to see myself as separate little parts and pieces, then I'm continuing to objectify all parts of myself, and that's certainly not where I want to be. So that's why this struck me as being uh, a very cohesive idea that I just feel like I can just totally embrace and I want to embrace it. And I know that, you know, there are times when I can go all ego on myself and, you know, just kind of be objectifying everything out there. That's not where I want to be. And I am getting a little Mm. bit better at catching myself at it. So I just did want to share that. So thank you guys for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was great, Judy. Yeah. That was so sweet. So wonderful. Mm-hmm. Love. If I can, if I can add to that objectified, yeah, I love how you put that objectified. It's for me, it's a moment of restriction. I feel restricted, and I feel it's something. Um, I have to be here. I have to do something. I have. It's an objective. But when I stand back and allow the nature of being, it's more of how can I be of service here? How can I be of the true nature of my being in the presence of this object in front of me versus the object being there? And for some reason, it's restricting my movement. It's captured my mind. And I love how you put that, the difference between the nature of being and and objectifying things around us. So that was beautiful. I just wanted to say thank you for that. And yeah, realize that you know, how you how I capture things in my mind as an object and it restricts my movement. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you both. Yeah. 
this is Gloria. Um, reading the center of the universe, <clears throat> I thought about the circle, and in the middle of the circle is a thought. I am that thought that is around the circle means all that I need, all that I have, is in that circle. It's, it's like a mother have a, a baby in her body. The baby is the center of her. And she provides through her body everything the baby needs. And it's the same for me. God is providing me everything I need. He knows. I don't have to ask because God is giving me everything. And it's what I understand, the center of the universe. The universe is God. God within me. God moving through me, talking through me, and loving through me. I don't know if it makes sense, mm-hmm. but it's my, my thought. Perfect sense. Oh, that's great, yeah. Gloria. It makes perfect sense. I love you, Gloria. <laughs> Thank you, Gloria. Yeah. Relationships, everything. Thank you. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, Charles, you, I was just going to say and, that. You know, it's the relationship. I mean with all that is all, you know. Is Charles speaking through that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he says, the second rule of the art of thought is to acknowledge relationship. The call for response in the nature of all gifts that is being given to all. This is thus a call to realize you exist in relationship. And that was a perfect example mother and child, the relationship mm. is all about relationship, that your relationship calls for response and that you are giving it to all as all are given to you. And that's it. It's that, you know, we are not alone. We are, our thoughts are, you know, generated out to the universe and we become that mm. center of the universe. Mm. So we send out thoughts of love and compassion and joy and happiness. That's what goes out. And if we were in, I don't even want to put myself in that dark, I'll call it the dark side. I don't even want to say the (laughs) ego mind because I won't give it prominence. And if I'm in one of those darkened moods or my mind is dark, that's what I send out. I don't see the glorious sunset. I see it as an object. But when I'm seeing it as the center of the universe, in relationship to all, I see the beauty. And I connect. The relationship with the sun becomes one. So, mm. all relationship. Mm. Thank you. Thanks, Paula. Thanks, Paula. Thank it you, reminds me of, uh, It reminds me of Shirley MacLaine's book, Out on the Limb where she says there's a placenta, which is the silver cord that comes mm. and attaches to us. And when the, mm. when the soul leaves the body, that cord is severed and the life is no longer in the body. Just that relationship 
that relationship that a, the a biblical core, the love that uh, Gloria was talking about, that we are mm-hmm. attached through a, a, a single, a single being, a single nature, we share together as one. Oh, we do. From a single source. That was beautiful. Thank you, Gloria. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. <clears throat> I've heard that before from you, Charles, and I really appreciate it. It's a great insight. Thank you. Mm, yeah. You can just sink into these words we've just all spoke. Yeah. To sink into them, feel them. Miguel, you have anything to add? Because otherwise, I may suggest we read a couple more paragraphs. Miguel. No, no, I have nothing to add. Thank you. Okay. So shall we proceed with a couple more paragraphs? What's consensus? I leave it up to you guys. Yeah? I will. Sure. Sounds good to me. Yep, sounds good to me, Paula. Okay. So we'll start from the top. So, Judy, you want to go into eight, and then everyone will read one paragraph each until we Charles, okay? Okay, sounds good. Okay, this is quite a different you than the self of the ego mind. The ego mind, in its imitation of creation, put the you of the ego or the body at the center of its thought system, and from this central position developed all of its ideas of glorifying the separate self as well as of subjugating the separate self. The subjugation to the ego mind is what led to the ego mind being able to develop the laws of man. These laws of man are the laws of the body's survival. Miguel? Your responsibilities shift completely under the laws of God. The thoughts are released from your concentration of what exists outside of you as your responsibility is placed where it belongs in the call to respond. This response is only yours to give and is all you are asked to give. This response comes from within the self, the rightly identified and acknowledged self. Think of all you now feel responsible for, and this lesson will become more clear. While your first thoughts will automatically go to a lengthy list of those concerns associated with the survival of the body, they will miss a whole aspect of concerns associated 
with keeping others other. Wow. You keep others other by attempting to respond for them rather than responding to them. You thus have thought it is your responsibility to care for the world outside of yourself rather than for your true self. Gloria? There is, yes, there is much play on the world's response, responsible and responsibility here. This is no accident. You call us to respond and you have seen this call incorrectly as a call to be responsible. The idea of responsibility sprang from the ego mind that will usurp the power of God. What kind of gifts arrives with the demand for the receiver to be responsible for it? Yes. Moana? Okay. I'm sorry, just dropped my phone. Uh, you may answer that there are many, even within. I'm sorry, is somebody else trying to talk? No. Okay, start again. Okay. You may answer that there are many, even within this cautious definition of gift, the most obvious of which might be your children, another of which might be your talents. It is the idea of your responsibility for these gifts that has led to your oppression. Again, I tell you, your call is to respond rather than to be responsible. How can you be free to respond when your thinking remains tied to responsibility. Well, wow. And let's everyone mute while, you know, people are reading. Okay? So. Responsibility, but implies a guardianship that is not needed. Responsibility implies needs that would not be met without you. Response is given and thus genuine. It is a natural act of giving and receiving as one. Responsibility is a demanded response, a necessary response, an obligation. Response happens from within. Responsibility is all about dealing with an outside world. While both may result in the same or similar actions, this does not negate the need for the difference to be realized. Charity is a responsibility. Love is a response. See you not the difference? Can a father not be guided by responsibility and still fall, fail to give love? Can a dancer not struggle mightily to perfect her talent without experiencing its joy? Thank you. I'll read the last, sec- the last 
paragraph here. Do you think the creator is responsible for what was created? To think of the creator in this way is to think of the creator with the upside-down thinking of the ego mind. It is not the kind of thinking that has caused you to blame God. Is this not, is this not the kind of thinking that has caused you to blame God for what you have labeled bad, as well as to praise God for what you have labeled God for what you have labeled good. Why am I reading? Well, that doesn't read right. My blame God for what bad, as well as to praise God for what you have labeled good. Would not this kind of a creator be at odds with the concept of free will? Well, he's got a lot of question marks there, so I think we're just going to stop and kind of think and ponder what is the difference that she makes pretty clear. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, this is, for me, it, oh, I'm sorry, Charles, um, being responsible for the gifts, I remember back in the days of church time, uh, we were responsible for the gifts that were given to us by God. And it felt as if we fall short of our responsibilities because our gifts were not uh, adequate enough uh, to demonstrate. And uh, because we we looked to the completion of the gift rather than the development of gifts being the love for that which is given rather than looking to the completion of what we look forward to at the end of the of the discipline and the cause for me a struggle in the idea that will I ever achieve the gifts that were given me and then I realized it just I fall in love with what I'm sharing, then that's the gift. And but my goal is to uh, find some sort of relationship with myself and the gift in which I share in order to feel my way through it. So I appreciate what he's saying here because responsibility uh, really hampers my desire to enjoy what I'm doing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Charles. Thank you. How wonderful to read this. I was just going to say how wonderful it is to read this. Um, I, I guess... Somehow or other, <laughs> I feel like I had skipped over that sentence before, where this is this point about, um, in effect, the responsibility being a function of the ego. But I, but as we read it just now, I recall like one month into the Course of Miracles, meeting with a friend who had been studying for some time, and she made the comment that. Responsibility really is your ability to respond. And, and that was peaceful and wonderful to get at that point, but 
But here we're seeing this spelled out, that um, this message here that we are called to respond, which means to me we are called to simply live and respond what's here in our heart, what's here to be shared, what's here to be brought into a given state, and, and the outcome, who cares? <laughs> what is the matter with the outcome? Is the outcome the means to make something right or wrong? Whatever the case, the matter of the responsibility is, is focused on some result that I would say is an external result, hence the matter of the ego associated with this. And the means of respond is the means of accepting and allowing and being and moving on from there in sharing whatever is to be shared. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, man. Thank, thank you, you so much. Mm, that was thank great. You. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Mm, thank you. This is Lana. And, you know, when I hear that word, before I started, you know, the study of Course for Love, when I hear that word responsibility, it always had like, um, kind of like a guilt connotation. And when I was... Study, you know, as a study of Course in Miracles, where um, talks about Jesus talks about responsibility for sight, I always change it to ownership because I thought it was a more loving term, ownership. But I love, I think it was you, Bill, that talked about uh, responsibility as responding. And that makes, like, responsibility for my perceptions to respond to my perceptions either with love or with fear. You know, it, it makes responsibility for sight take on a whole different dynamic, much deeper, a meaning for me now, you know, to, to know that it's asking for a response, my ability to respond to whatever shows up in my awareness. And um, and that's beautiful. That's beautiful cause, because um, it's... It really is. Everything that shows up in my awareness is a gift. It's a it's a relation, a potential relationship, and um, and then the t the labeling. You know, like uh, would it be good or bad according to God, or the labels we put on it and we judge them, and it has nothing to do with that. It's it's like what is my response to whatever shows up. Um, it's always, you know, a loving and a joining and a unity, joining with it, accepting it, allowing it. There's so many lovely responses that point to unity and joining um, that, um, you know, it just kind of colors the word responsibility so different for me um, in a course of love. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, thank you. Lana. That was great. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. I agree with your point there about the feelings when you, I have a responsibility. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's move yeah. beyond that. Mm. 
reminds me of an infant infant learning how to walk. Um, Mm -hmm. The response to having movement and the response to being able to able to use the legs. I mean, the infant sees these people walking around them and they look and they have legs. And to be able to respond to that movement and to watch those first few steps of the young one, that is a response to life, a response to being, a response to moving towards. Uh, That takes the idea of responsibility out of it. You know, it's just a joy to watch and a joy to be with and a joy to share in that moment. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank Beautiful. You, Thank, yeah. you, Thank you, Charles. You know, I love, this is Paula, you know, he uses, you know, like, you know, like we're all parents or in a role where you're responsible for someone else or responsible to do, and you do that, you know, that responsibility not from love, you do it, you know, it's like this is my role, you know, this is what I have to be. But, the, you know, and being the recipient of that, you know, like not feeling the love from the, mm. I'll use parent and child as the perfect mm. example. You know, like, oh, yeah, it's just like they're not doing it from their heart. They're doing this, they're responsible and then, you know, I've seen incidents where parents would use words that harm. You know, look what I do for you. You know, you ever hear that one? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that lovely trigger, Paula. Thanks for that, 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 Thanks for that <laughs> reminder. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> you know, I work to put bread on the table and look what you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> How many people are starving in this world? Eat your people. Yeah, that's the other one. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it's, you know, is there love? Maybe there is, but it, it comes across like it's just a pure responsibility. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he defines it so well. You know, when you think of it, you know, it's like true. Like even us, you know, even the, you know, how with your children or with other people, you know, like, oh, yeah, I volunteer. Look at me. I go to six different charities and I volunteer. And look at, but are you doing it with love? But just yeah. doing it for acknowledgement or a reward, you know, like claiming, look at me, I'm so good. It's it's all about love. Yeah. Mm. Every excellent point. Yeah, excellent yeah. point. Beautiful. And this learning response happens from within. That just tells me everything I ever need to know. Response happens from within me. How am I feeling? I'm cranky. You can be assured that my response isn't going to be loving. If I'm feeling love and if if I have maintained that state, which, as we all know, is not the easiest challenge, when I'm in that state, my response can come from pure love. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that. I love that feeling. Yeah. Complete. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Yep. Amen. Amen. Amen.
got another little gem to share here along these lines. I just love how this comes together. Um, in our reading this morning, uh, we were in the uh, day day four of the of the dial of the forty days and forty nights, and day four is the new temptations. And in that, in the new temptations, he take, he takes a little side uh, part of the discussion was he pointed out that the first humans, um, they did not, they were not involved with the thinking that we're involved in because they didn't have a language or they were not communicating, you know, or using words or putting, using a system as in our languaging, if you will, to observe what they were observing. And Jesus goes on to say there that this is the same for children when they were born, when infants are born today, that they are much like that in that they are completely open. Uh, and and they they are discovering, they are realizing or coming to accept something with not so much of a learning process going on as it is just a, a way of, uh, I guess he, what he was referring to, it was like a natural healing, or excuse me, a natural way of coming to know as opposed to the learning process that is initiated during that first time, those first several months or the first year of your life where, where, where I, I would now refer to that as, you know, looking at it from the standpoint of what the ego is doing is in effect programming ourselves <laughs> or becoming programmed to the system of the way to think, way to think the way to relate and the relay, the way to, to um, uh, go about living in this world, uh, oftentimes based on the past, but most essentially it's based on, in effect, as we have come clearly to see, this thought system, this thinking system associated with the ego. And uh, so I, I just savor that we're having this topic once again about about our children and how we're raising them and the quote-unquote responsibility that we believe that we have um, that maybe this gives us a different way, a different opportunity of, of seeing how we can be in relationship with our infants and what happens in terms of that process of discovery. I don't know what the rest of that answer would be, but it, it sure is leaving that door open for me. Thank you. I'm complete. Mm. Awesome, Bill. That was beautifully awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This is Lana. Um, Bill, what you reminded me of in your sharing um, was there's a part in the Bhagavad Gita that um, talks about, well, they call it the fall, you know, when um, the separation uh, happened at that time prior to it there was everything was telepathic every you know in the mm -hmm. garden of Eden, 
before that. There was no spoken or written language. It was just all mm-hmm. telepathic. And so after the fall, they had to figure out a way to communicate through speaking and then through writing. And and it says that it was actually the establishment of, of written, a written and spoken language was actually a step backwards from humanity and not a step forward. You know, we had to re, uh, revert to um, uh, objects and and things to in order to communicate, and we sort of lost that. We forgot it. Uh, that, that that's available to us. It's available to us now instinctively and intuition, but we just don't choose it as often. But more and more, I'm, I'm starting to listen more to my heart and to um, my instincts, feel my instincts and my intuition and honor that as, as much as anything else. So anyhow, I just think it's interesting that um, kind of brought that up with my memory. <laughs> I'm complete. Yeah, thank you. Amen, well. Lana. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Lana. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Just reminds me of uh, the the Sonship program by a gentleman who does autism. Um, how he discovered the Sonship program was his ch- his children had his ch- his son had autism and that means he retracts from the world and no longer is part of the world of the external and starts rocking within himself and starts making all these different different symbols and his love for his son became so strong that he started rocking with his son and started making all these different symbols with his son's and his son would glance over at him every so often and glance back. Just that second of recognition, that moment of recognition, he just started doing it. That love. Wow. Yeah. That yeah, love yeah. was the healing. That, was, that love was the healing of that oh, autism. Yeah. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That was so gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that, Charles. Thank you. You know, when you were speaking, I could feel, I could feel how you, you know, how you, what you were feeling and how that father with that child. Wow. Yeah. That connection. That's a true relationship. Yeah, it just takes that moment of recognition to... To realize that love is everything. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Sure is. Even a smile. I notice, um, I don't know when it was, I noticed that when I smile, there's a, a perceptual, I, I can mm-hmm. feel my energy, just yeah. the movement. I can feel it. And, and I often think of, a, there's this guy up at the, at the convenience store and he always looks so sad. And whenever I go in there, I flash him a smile, and there's an instant of that recognition where he gets the smile, and he smiles back at me. And mm-hmm. and it's for a moment he remembered God. He remembered love. He remembered, oh. you know, it was like giving and receiving. You know, for that holy mm-hmm. instant, love was given and received just with a smile. So wow. it, it reminded me of that, Charles. 
Mm, thank you, thank you. So so important. Wow. Yeah, I, yeah. I love the response when I, you know, because I, you know, I'll meet and just smile, and and you can see like the person, like it's like it's almost like, oh yeah, like as if they were like awoken, you know, like something, and they'll smile back. Yeah. 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 I love that too. I, mm-hmm. I love the smile and the connection that happens with an infant, with a child. Yeah. Um, in that. Or an adult. An adult. Oh, yeah. 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 That's all that's needed. Yeah. That's it. That's all that's needed. Yeah. I had a, I was, uh, a share a brief story. I was, um, flying from Durango to Albuquerque and in a, in a little puddle jumper type of plane. And right across the aisle from me was a man and his wife and their infant. Their infant was, I, she's, I don't know, a year, year and a half, something like that. And, and just looking over there, there was a glow coming from that child, and and it and I just felt it, and I was giving it back to her, and it it just and I the parents even recognized this as well, that something was going on, and and I had my course of love book in my lap <laughs> at that point, and and I just I just pointed out to them that that this child is going to this child is going to be raised in a different world a world that is more rooted in love. And just watch it. Watch it, what unfolds for him as you just let him feel love and be in a loving state and what have you. And, and uh, uh, the woman was just fully accepting of it, and, and even, the, even the husband was as well. They appreciated hearing that. And I just felt so, so connected to that baby and to that family at that point. Um, mm. And it was just there as an opportunity, uh, <laughs> and I love it. I savor it even today. Thank you. I'm complete. Beautiful. Wow. This takes yeah. a tiny little bit of willingness. Yeah. And, yeah. and a smile. Go ahead, Lon. I'm sorry. I'm speaking over you. No. No, finish. that's okay. I'm finished. I'm finished. Yeah. No, I'm saying a smile from a child is so innocent, so pure, you know, like there's nothing behind it except like uh, an innocence, a purity, a love. It's, you know, that it beams and you, and it, it's like, it's like a young soul, like just so pure and just sending out so much love. And it's, you can get lost in those smiles from little children. I hate. I, I don't like when I see a little child looking sad. Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. Yeah. And they and they laugh so quickly if you give them a smile. Most of them. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. The innocence of the children. I'd like. Yeah. I, 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 I would. I'd like to come from this from a different angle, if I may. Sure. Uh being. Uh, an absentee father, um, uh, being that of one who's not around. Um, I have two daughters, 
one I have never met. Yet we speak quite often nowadays on the internet, but we never really spoken voice to voice, but through Instagram and through Facebook. She shares photos of the children, the grandkids, which I have never met yet. Another girl I have up north, we've actually met. Um, and I've met the grandkids up north. But the relationship is sparse. And so the new child, the one who was just born now, I got to meet through an iPad and wave and say hello to the new child through an iPad and watch this little child look at the iPad so curious and in the recognition with such a joy to feel that recognition. Um, the world would call me a failure as one who is irresponsible and not being with the children whom I was denied presence from um, because of the relationship going down south. And and basically thrown out of the relationship. Um, instead of fighting for responsibility of the child, I accepted that I was no longer wanted in the relationship. Now that could have been wrong. Maybe I should have mm -hmm. stayed and fought. Many people would argue that point. I would have stayed there and be more responsible and fought for my role in the relationship. But it didn't occur to me to make things more hellish than they already were. So with that, that's my uh, coming out, you might say, of uh, what responsibility has done in my life for me. And I went to court, and the court threw out my arrears uh, in court because of my inability to earn any funds or to make a living for myself because of myself beating myself up. I wasn't able to accept myself. And now the children are grown and they're accepting of me. Um, I feel life has become more calmer, more um, affordable. I am more relaxed. I'm able to go out and visit my brother and sis and my sister's daughter. And I'm looking forward to the day I can go out west to meet up with my daughter, who I've never met yet. But I've talked to her visually through the Internet and told her I loved her smile and that she was a beautiful Christ child. And God, her father, has truly blessed her with much love and joy in her life. And I thank God for her raising her and for keeping her. And she honors me in Christ and she honors me in love. So I feel that connection there. So, And the other girl, she honors me and loves me. I feel that in my heart too. Yet she has a life that she's living she has a husband and she has three children 
and I honor her space and where she's at. And so, I'm the third child. She lives two blocks from me, so I see her quite a bit. <laughs> she, she, I, that that daughter, she grew up with me, and I I, I cannot claim responsibility for her because I was so irresponsible as a father. <laughs> But boy, did she prove me wrong. (laughs) Thank God she proved me wrong. (laughs) I think they all did. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. And thank you for allowing, you know, that you feel comfortable that you knew you were you know, we have so much love for you, Charles, that you feel comfortable to share that with us. I'm so Thank glad you. you shared that, Charles. That's beautiful. Yeah. Just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Charles, I so appreciate what you're sharing. And I recognize, too, that you're at a point now where you have a different state of our being. And I see, I get all those grandchildren and all those children of yours having an opportunity to see a new world being created through you and through their relationship with you. No planning, nothing to do in that regard, but I just... Just just get a sense of, of what is unfolding here for you, brother. And, uh, oh, I, I, I just think it's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you for your willingness to progress that you have, that you have from the past. And I, and undoubtedly, you know, I'm I'm speaking to a mirror. So thank you, brother. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, God. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Charles. Charles, this is Judy. I just want to add one thing here, and that is that I can totally relate. I can just totally relate. For a portion of my life, I was an absentee mom, and that's, you know, considered by society to be unforgivable. So, Mm. yeah, so I totally appreciate where you're coming from. I get it. I feel it. I have experienced it. I know how tough it is. I know all the feelings that all the, all the feelings of self that go along with that. And then to have, in my daughter's case, my daughter turned it completely around. She said, you know, and this is just like last year, and she's in her 40s now, and it's just last year, she called me up one day and she said, you know, Mom, I used to really resent, hate, whatever. She said, but one thing I've realized is that even though you left me so many times, you always came back. And that was a period of my life where it took me years to forgive myself for all of the damage that I felt I had caused in her and her brother's life. 
I know raising kids is, I don't know, it, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about it. All I know is that it was a severe challenge for me. Um, I made mistake after mistake after mistake. And it took me a long, long time to learn how to even begin to forgive myself for everything. <clears throat> and then I always remembered, even though it didn't help much, it did help me somewhat. From Khalil Gibran, your children are not your children. They are love's longing for itself. Uh-huh. So in all of my self-flagellation, I was busy listening to <clears throat> what society would think of me for the way I had behaved. And I was punishing myself for what I thought the rest of the world would think of me, rather than believing that my son and my daughter, both of whom I love very much, they are life's longing for itself, period. I'm just the vehicle through which they came. And even though today my daughter and I have a pretty decent relationship and she knows how much I love her, my son and I, he hasn't spoken to me in, I guess, about four or five years. And I completely understand. His wife does not like me or approve of me. And so I bless him. I love him. I am here for him forever. And I also understand that, and he knows that if he ever needs me, I'm right here for him. And I will not interfere in his life. If she's going to give him a hard time for being in contact with me, I bow out gracefully and allow him to live his life as he sees fit. I just don't know. Maybe it was just your opening, Charles, but I got that out. And thank you all for listening. I'm done. Oh, you're so done. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're so done. <laughs> I uh, stick a fork Thank in you. me. <laughs> yeah, stick a fork in her. <laughs> yeah, well done. done. Well done. done. <laughs> yep. Done. Oh, done. God. You know, he, now, we hear so much from it, whether of course of love, of course of merit. It's all about self-forgiveness. To forgive mm-hmm. yourself. You know, what we go through this human, what you want to call it, illusion, dream, even though it's, we, you know, we blamed and punished ourselves, it, everything that had happened in this journey was there for a purpose and a reason. If we could only accept that everything that happened in the past, the present, and to come is gently planned by someone who knows our best interests, our best. That comes right out of the Post of Miracles. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I totally Thank agree you. with that. And it, and love ourselves like Jesus, and, you know, God loves us. There's no error. We made mistakes. You know, mm-hmm. you can flagellate, you can throw yourself on the cross, crucify yourself. Not necessary. Not we make mistakes in this delusion. And everything is gently planned for everyone concerned. So, I yeah. like that. Um, Jesus is my, res- my resurrection in my life. Mm-hmm. I resurrect myself from my own grave and from my own cross. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing we need to do, or I need to do, is take myself down from the cross. Yeah. 
Isn't it the truth? But you know, when I when I look back, some of uh, my experience. I mean, I'm 73 now, and and I'm oh. telling you, the world would call catastrophic and disastrous things. Um, I look at them now, and that was my greatest spirit. They were like my spiritual growth spurts, you know. And and I truly believe that everything is a lesson or a blessing. And I've said it before, I just call everything blessings. You know, they're one of <laughs> the other. And they, they just I call move them up forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just got to dust yourself off. I think it was Winston Churchill. He says, if you find yourself in hell, keep on walking. <laughs> yeah, keep, keep walking. climbing. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to... Uh, share a little more in line with the context of what what we are covering now that is is, is just so timely. Uh, Within my family, I have four children, and uh, I do not see two of them, the two in the middle, the youngest and the oldest. um, We have some form of a relationship with, but I also recognize the priority that I was putting on other matters other than raising the children that um, has taken its toll, if you will, uh, in this. And I, so I appreciate hearing from you, Charles, as well as you, Judy, and in, in these matters and, and what's unfolding because I also am clear that uh, the highest good is unfolding. There's more for me to understand, more for me to awaken to, and uh, I trust and know it's unfolding perfectly as it has been for the last 30 years. No matter how much pain has been involved along the way, I still trust what is unfolding for all four of them and me. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And my grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've got a granddaughter who I've not seen. I saw her once when she was a baby, and that was it. Yep. So, mm. yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Now, I don't know if the rest of you will agree with this or not, but one of the things that brought me a great deal of comfort was knowing that in this life I chose all of my experiences. I chose it all. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. I created it all. And guess what? So did my kids. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that helped me a great deal, knowing that mm-hmm. they chose it for themselves, too. It's not all on me. It can't be. There's never just one. There has to be an agreement. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if you find that helpful or not, but I have. (laughs) Wayne Dyer says he wanted to learn independence when he came into this life. And God said, do you sure you want to learn independence when you come into this life? Yes, I want to learn how. So what happened? His father was a drunk, left the family. (laughs) His mother had a hard time surviving. So he got farmed out to... uh, uh, an orphanage yeah. and through the orphanage he learned how to become self-reliant and mm-hmm. that was his jo- soul's journey here 
Exactly. And he honored his mother. He honored his father. It's finally he went to his father's grave, and he wanted just to dig the father up and kill him. He wanted just yeah. to, 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 all the things he'd done wrong. And oh, when, when he got to that grave, and he, he just bent over and cried. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think it's really important for us as parents, or for anybody who's a parent and feels that they failed with their children, to understand that their children chose this life and this, these circumstances themselves. It wasn't thrust on them. But I know, as a child, I felt it was thrust upon me. But it's only since I've grown up and I've, I've realized so many things, especially on this path that I, I accept and I realize my parents didn't do anything to me. I chose it for whatever reason. I chose it. So I, you know, as far as any kind of resentment or anger towards my parents, it's gone. I chose this. They didn't force it on me any more than I forced this on my kids or you forced anything on your kids. We all choose our life. Choose before we even come into this life. Yeah. I chose, and he tells us, we chose our parents. Absolutely. Yes, we chose everything. Absolutely. And, you know, my, uh, you know I, would, I, would, I would like to add one other item here. This comes. This is another what I'll call Georgism, because I had this friend George who was here with me at the front end of this entire awakening journey. He made the statement to me. He says, "Oh, we think we're here to raise our children. No, actually, <laughs> it's the other way around. Our children are, are here for us to learn what we need to learn." Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, so and and yeah, and it's true. Oh my God, it's true. There's a new Boston town, <laughs> <laughs> and he was just born. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Once I really got that, it all the guilt went. It left. It left. What uh-huh. am I supposed to feel guilty about anymore? Nothing. Yeah. But you yeah, know, my husband. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ron. Go ahead. I, I was sorry. When I met him, he had three grown children. And I'm telling you, now they both, they were all three raised by the same parents in the same house. And uh, they were as different as night and day. You know, one, <laughs> yeah. I mean, one got hooked on drugs. Another one graduated with honors from college and has a really mm-hmm. fancy job. Another one was, she was kind of like me. We were on the spiritual path together, but uh, falling on her faces every five minutes. But, <laughs> um, but you know, you can't, you can't really say I was a failure as a parent. You know, it's, it's like right. they do. We, we all choose it, and you know, mm-hmm. you put three children in the same house, the same parents, the same upbringing, and they're mm-hmm. like I said, they were different as night and day. You know, you just yeah. never know. You just have to trust God. I know for myself, my daughter, um, until I gave her to God, you know, she, she was really hooked on heroin for a while. And I used to pray that she get arrested because it was wintertime. Yeah. And, you know, she was on the streets. And at least I knew she'd have a roof over her head and food and be warm. And, and, um, and Jesus told me, I, I asked him, what am I going to do? And he says, the only thing you can do is love her, but that's the most powerful thing you can do. And it was true. It was so true. As soon as I gave her to God, I don't know, for some reason, I had given everything to God, but I was holding on to my daughter. <laughs> but as soon as I released her, 
um, you know, to God's care, that's when her whole situation started to turn around. And I'm so grateful for that. And um, and she always says, you know, you're a great mom. Mom, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. You're a great mother. So I get validation from her. But if I, you know, anybody else, and I for, you know, I've forgiven everybody for judging me. And I forgive myself for judging myself. And um, yeah. now that's I'm just grateful. Yeah. yeah, forgiving yourself. Yeah. That's, that's the important yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. And forgive because expectations. Our, expectations yeah. are no longer there. Thank you. Yeah. Just forgive ourselves. We didn't do anything wrong. This was all agreed upon. Mm. Yeah. And trust. Then trust. And I love when yeah. Reverend Bill kept saying, a matter of trust. Trust in unfolding. That's unfolding to the higher good of all. Yeah. Yeah. Trust in well, my dear friends, this was a great dialogue tonight, and I'm so happy we come, we came together. And uh, we'll be back next Wednesday, hopefully. What about so, Miguel? Does he have anything to add to this? Uh, he usually pipes up when he needs to, but I'll ask. Miguel, oh, okay. you want to give us any parting words? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I've been trying to Okay. Hello, Miguel. Miguel, nice to see you again. Yeah, thank you. Nice to hear you again. Sorry, it's good to hear Miguel. Yeah. Well, and Charles, it's nice to hear you again. I want to say all my love and my peace and my joy, and I love you all. So you take care now, and until we meet again. Thank you, Paula. Yeah, thank, thank you, Paula. You. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, God. I love you, guys. Love you. Good night. Bye-bye. Love you all. I love you all. Glad to have you here, General. Come back next Wednesday. Thanks, brother. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, all. Bye, Miguel. <laughs>